And I was trying to sing like her, and I thought I'll lose my voice. And, well, I'll, I'll stick to preaching. Hey, I'm so glad to open God's Word with you today. Um, you know, in, in the first service, uh, we looked at the Scripture, and God even challenged my heart in between services. And I pray today in our time together that you will be really, really engaged and learn how you can live more for Jesus. Uh, and if you're watching online, we're so glad that you are watching and you're tuned in. Um, I know it's a tough weekend. Everyone's traveling, but we're glad that you're in the house of God. We're glad that you are following uh, us online. Uh, the message title is Don't Settle. Don't Settle. And I want to encourage you today on the onset... Don't settle for anything unless his name is Jesus. We have settled for far way less than that. And I pray today in our time together that we'll be encouraged about Paul's prayer to the Ephesian church. And if you have a copy of God's word, I pray that you do. Um, turn into Ephesians chapter 1. And I pray today will be a rich time as you just make that note. Don't settle. I'm not going to settle for anything less. I'm not going to settle for anything less. I'm going to settle for what God wants for me. And I'll tell you what God wants for you. God wants his son for you. In him, there's everything. Amen? I pray to Ephesians chapter 1. Now, Paul is writing to the Ephesian church, and he's really uh, commending this church for how well they are doing. I wish somebody penned a letter to me and tell me, man, this is how well your church is doing. Praise God. Man, I would be so excited. So if I had to choose to be a member of any church, I'm going to Ephesus, all right? I'm going to move my letter to Ephesus. And Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 15, this is the word of God. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? And we'll catch on those verses later on. Paul is commending the church in Ephesus. And what he's trying to tell the church in Ephesus, I continually remember you. And when I remember you, you encourage me. The way you love God vertically and the way you love people horizontally, man, I'm so proud of you. And God is teaching us today that if we love God, if we have our vertical relationship in line, then we will enjoy the horizontal relationship of loving our neighbors. Love the Lord thy God and also love the neighbor as thyself. And Paul is writing this lesson, and he's acknowledging that. And that's a great thing. But Paul makes three petitions in his prayer for them. He's praying three petitions. And the first petition that he's praying is, and he's encouraging us to pray, we should pray to know God better. That's what verse number 17 teaches us. 
We should pray to know God better, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in knowledge of Him. He's asking the church and he's praying for the church that you will continually know Jesus, that you will continually know him. Now, the meaning of the word know, K-N-O-W, in this uh, word right here is epigloske in Greek. It means, gnosko means, my name is Sean, I know that. Epignose means, I know by being obedient. So this knowing is an action word, it's a verb, that you continually know him. He's not talking about you know God in your mind. It's not referring to abstract knowledge. It's not referring to objective facts. He's saying, I'm praying for you that you may know Christ by your actions. To know God is to live like him. And many of us in this room today, when we talk about this know, it includes an intimate awareness. And when you come to know Jesus Christ, you come to understand his character and his will. His character and his will. He is holy. He is just. That's who our God is. And then what is the will? That we should go now and live like he wants us to live. Look at John chapter 13 in the upper room. Jesus is about to be crucified, and the night before, he's having the Last Supper. He gets on his knees, and he washes the disciples' feet. And you ask yourself, how did the disciples miss the opportunity to wash the disciples' feet? They missed the opportunity. Now when Jesus is down, he's washing the disciples' feet. Later on, what does he tell them in John chapter 13? If I, your master, have done so, Go now and do. You see, the disciples didn't go and tell people what Jesus did. The disciples went and did what Jesus did. I'm afraid today in the local church, we have lost the epignose of knowing God, but all we know is educational God. Wow, that's got everyone's attention. Because if we put all the knowledge of each one of us together in this room about who our God is, and if we take everyone who's watching online, take all your knowledge and put it into one place, listen to this, we will still not scratch the surface of who He is. The only way you can know Him is to experience Him. And if you're not experiencing him, you have no idea who this king of kings is. You know him. You know of him. But you don't really know him, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm afraid today that the power of this meaning no is to know God, is to love him, is to obey him. Because if you love God and if you obey him, he calls us to hard tasks. Do you know God calls us to everything difficult? I mean, yes, loving your neighbor is difficult. <laughs> oh, am I the only one? Amen. Loving your neighbor is difficult. 
is because when you are loving your neighbor, when you are knowing God and loving your neighbor, the power of the Holy Spirit gives you the strength to love them. And most Christians are educated way past the level of obedience. They know so much of God and will point people to God, but it's hard for them to live with you toward God. And so Paul is praying, I commend you that you know God. And how do you, I know that you know God? This is because you love God and you love all the saints. All the saints. And to love Jesus is to obey him. Because my friend, we, we won't be remembered by what we said. We will be remembered by how we loved. They'll forget your words tomorrow, but they'll never forget the way you made them feel. So if you are here today and you are listening to me and you're watching online, I want to encourage you, take all the knowledge you have about God and start being obedient to it. Can you imagine if all of us in the room can take all our knowledge and start living that? Wow, we will finally live the Ten Commandments. How about that? Well, we'll try to. And that's what he's talking about. You won't be remembered by what you said. You remembered, you will be remembered by how you loved. Do you know when you go to work tomorrow, and you walk into someone's office or you see a coworker, and you think like, why does he still respect me? Why does he have certain rules that he lives by? Why does he have certain values that he lives by? Do you know why? Because that said person came to know Jesus and now wants to live like Jesus. And he gives you a question and you ask yourself, wow, that was weird. He responded in kindness. That's what God calls us to do, to be those believers who believe in Jesus Christ in the marketplace. Now look at the life of Jesus. Man, everyone brought difficult conversations to Jesus. The woman who was caught in the act of adultery, Jesus wrote, you who has no sin cast the first stone. He did not argue with them. He said Jesus was loving. That's who he said. He is. I am love. And when you look at scripture, all the life of Jesus, we see how he's loving people, how he's being patient. You know, Jesus was never in a hurry. I mean, I don't know how the dude kept his calendar. I mean, he was just never in a hurry. He stopped and talked to everybody. Because Jesus was famous to the people right in front of them. And if you want to be famous, you've got to be famous with your family and friends, not on the world. So if you want to live that Jesus life, start with your family. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. You know God. Now choose living for God. The fruit of the Spirit is a great list. Imagine if you were alone just to memorize the fruit of the Spirit. And you rock into heaven, and the angel comes out and says, name the fruit of the Spirit. You love, joy, peace, and you got it? Get in. I mean, that's easy. Walking for Jesus is not memory. Walking for Jesus is obedient to what you know. Because let your love be louder than your opinions. 
You know, fast, if somebody don't share the same opinion with you, your temperature rises and your voice rises. And next thing you know is like, I left Jesus totally out of that conversation. To know Jesus is to live like him. To know Jesus is to learn who he is. And the more today you know of who Jesus is, you will choose to go and live for him. Now you know about a good and faithful marriage. Be that. You know what the Bible says about loving your neighbor. Be that. Don't settle for head knowledge. Settle for following Jesus step by step. And that's who the Bible is talking about today. I'm afraid today we have so much knowledge that we have so little obedience. I'm calling you today, if you want to know God, be obedient to him. And so Paul is writing these petitions. The meaning of this word know is to know God by, by present, indicative, active. Verb is a word in action. That means knowing in action. You know and you live. You know and you live. That's who Jesus called us to be. Parents, imagine you have a great idea what it is to be a couple, but never lived it. Children, imagine you knew what the Bible says about obey your parents and didn't care about that. See, the Bible calls us to live what we know. So people all around you will know who Jesus is by living, by seeing your life and having you having those conversations with them about who Jesus is. Not only we should know uh, God, but also we should, we should pray to know God's riches. Look at verse number 18. In verse number 18, he talks about having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, I like the word inheritance. Whenever the word inheritance comes in, I'm excited about the word inheritance. Because normally inheritance means what is passed over from your parents over to you, right? In the Old Testament, your, the land is now moved to uh, the next generation. I hope and pray that I don't have any inheritance from my father because I will get his mortgage and I don't want that mortgage, all right? <laughs> so that's what it's transferred to you. But the meaning of this inheritance is his people. God's riches are in his people. For God so loved the world. Who makes up the world? We, that he gave his one and only son. Can you see how much Jesus loves you? That he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Because he does not want to be separated from you for eternity. All he wants is to have that reconciling power. And the only thing you can do, the only way you can do that is by having Jesus, the sinless Savior, to die on the cross of Calvary, not only for us, but in place of us, so that we could be accepted by God the Father Almighty. That's the length of Jesus had to endure so that we could be his inheritance. This blows my mind. 
It blows my mind that Jesus had to die for us. So look around you. Jesus says that you are his inheritance. He died for you so that we could be spending eternity with him. No more, with no more division of sin and rebellion. We can spend eternity with Jesus because we are his prized belongings. Psalm chapter 2 and verse number 8, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. So why do you think you, we sit here today? Why, do, why does our heart break for those who are going through crisis in Ukraine? Because God's people are being hurt. We hurt when one hurts, we, that is why my, my life, you'll see me, there's multiplication, divide everywhere I go. So we want to multiply your joy and divide your pain. That's what God's people do. So our hope, this hope happens, this living hope that we just sang about, this living hope happens when you die. Living hope begins when you die. Because what you're saying is, Father, all my hope in saving myself, I'm putting it aside, and I choose to put my hope in Jesus. Amen? That's what living hope is. So you got to crucify self to have living hope. You cannot have living hope and have 5% of trusting Sean. As you would say, that ain't going to work. You got to have living hope, and everything of you must die. And when you have living hope, you come to find God's people. That is God's inheritance. Man, to be around God's people is the greatest thing ever. So if you look around you, you're like, wow, so this is why Jesus died, huh? For us. Do you know if poverty was the problem in the world? For God so loved the world, he will send a pot of gold. If healthcare was a problem in this world, for God so loved the world that he'll send a vaccine. But sin was the greatest problem in the world, and God sent a savior. We need to behave that way. I don't think the church is convinced that sin is the greatest problem and Jesus is the only answer. If we are convicted of that, we will live a life of urgency to take the gospel to the ends of the earth because we know that sin is a problem and poverty is not. Jesus is the answer for this world today. So if you are God's inheritance, when we get together, we get the word community, right? So when, when God brings all his people together, we, we, we inherit a, a, a community of kingdom citizens where we do life together. We do life together. I cannot encourage you enough about community. This past Friday, uh, about 13 men of us got together, um, and they were all foster and adoption dads. And so we got together together, uh, to talk about how we can encourage one another. And they all started from one side, and I was the last. And Bob told me, Shaw, why don't you talk? I said, I'll wait to the end. Man, listening to all their story, I want to pull my application from adoption. I'm like, this is crazy, all right? But hey, this is life. I am so proud 
to sit among that circle of men, following the call that God gave the wife. No, no, I'm joking. All right? Everyone said, my wife said, one more. And like, okay. But this husband and wife couple opened their homes to live life like never before in foster and adoption. Praise God for you. I left so encouraged. And <laughs> Destiny, we need to do two more kids, two more. We'll have the conversation later on. Uh, okay. <laughs> Man, I, because it's community. When I get around people, you know me, when I get around people who are on fire for God, man, you fuel my heart. Because we are God's inheritance. If we can't live life here, multiplying joys and dividing pain here, what, who are we? So don't settle to be alone. Community is God's answer to loneliness. Community is God's answer to depression. Community is God's answer to addiction. Community is God's answer. Community is God's answer. And if you choose to live alone, you are missing the point of the gospel. The gospel is not only you. The gospel is not only Jesus. The gospel is Jesus and you reconciled. That's community. So imagine, look around. When the community gets together, we call themselves the church. Yes, you're right. We are God's plan A. There is no plan B. That's it. All around us. That's all we got. <laughs> With the power of the Holy Spirit. Community is so powerful. That's why today, uh, after service, if you are called to go to the Matthew Party's training, so Tim Hunter is doing a training on Matthew parties, and you ask, what is a Matthew party? Well, uh, Matthew chapter 9, the, tax collector, the chief tax collector, Matthew, came to know Jesus, and he threw a party at his house for all the other tax collectors. So this is tax season, so all your tax collectors need to repent, all right? Anyway... Uh, and so they had a party, and he opened the table, and he told others, guys, you know me. I want you to hear from me what this guy Jesus did in my life over a meal at my house. So if you want to go for a training for Matthew parties, go to the Pasma Hall. Tim Hunter is ready to do the training straight after this service. Because community is God's answer. And if you neglect community, he's talking about us. If we neglect community, we're going to lose out living for Jesus. Because great things happen when God's people come together. Great things happen. You know the story of Desha and I. Every third meal is either with someone or for someone. Because we love being around people. We love being around God's people. Community is so important. Many of you are in your connection groups, and uh, we sent a team to do a church planting retreat in Wyoming. Okay? So um, the team landed, and the, the, the temperature was minus 28 degrees. So this is a heat wave right here in Pensacola, okay? And so they went, and there were about 11 church planting families that came. And so one of the main reasons, I, I love church planting, one of the main reasons they went is to love on the families. And so they went. But before they went, Sean Cook and Tim Hunter spoke to your connection groups. Sean Cook is now mobilization office, uh, out of our missions office. His position is to equip you and mobilize you to live on mission. 
That's his job. And I'm glad we have that, that, that office available for us. So before he went, those 11 families, we asked them for their names of the families and the kids' names and what their hobbies are. And your community, your connection groups, if you don't belong to one, you're missing out, guys. Join a connection group. See John Huff. Join a community and do this. So what they did was they went through the list and made a swag bag, we call them, for a big bag for each family. And so these people carried those gifts and we went. And each room, when those families went in the room, all those gifts were ready for them. I got a text message this morning where a preacher in Casper, Wyoming, yes, there are preachers in Casper, all right? And he's a cowboy, by the way. Anyway, he's going to church, and he just sent a text to us saying, thank you so much for remembering my four-year-old. Because you sent a card specifically for her and a toy and a gift for her, she really now feels valued that God has a plan for her as we plant his church. Amen? That's what community does. So quit living by yourself. And I'll tell you why you live by yourself and you don't want to have community. Because you believe Satan more than you believe Jesus. Oh, I don't like community because I'm an introvert. There is no book, The Introvert and the Great Commission. All right? It's all with people. So this is what happens. When people come together, they do great things. That's what community is. And everyone in this room today, you believe Satan more than you believe Jesus. Because when, G when Satan said you're a loser, you believed him. When Satan said you're a nobody, you believed him. When Satan said you're a dropout, you believed him. When Jesus said you have life, you did not believe him. I mean, how in the world did we choose the father of all lies to believe him than the prince of peace who tells you the truth? So guess what do you do? You shelter away. Why? Because the enemy lied to you. You are God's inheritance. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. So it just helps give you a bump on the step. You say, come on, let's go. You are a prince. You are a, you're a child of God. Come on, let's go. That's what community does. How in the world did we come so believing to the father of lies than, to the, than the prince of peace? I am the way, the truth, and the life. So everything Jesus tells about you is a and amen. And I'm, I, you may be here thinking I'm a loser. Uh, you may be there thinking, you know what, Jesus will never love someone like me. Hey, my friend, Jesus loves to love difficult people. You and I are one of them. And he calls you to love difficult people because you are one of them. Someone here, that it's not easy for them to love you. Somebody in this room. Uh, Destiny is far away from me, okay? But we love because Jesus has brought us together in community. You're not the worst of sinners and a dropout. You are God's child. That's what the Bible, I'm going according to the Bible, not my opinion. If I had opinions, I would not say that, okay? I'm going to the Bible. The Father says that you are my inheritance. And you are seated here today and you're thinking, 
All I need, one, I'm one decision away for a life change. Everyone's talking about life change. Like, I'm one business deal away from my life changing. Or, I'm one vacation away from my life changing. Or, I'm, I'm one podcast away from my life changing. I got news for you, you are one community away from your life changing. That community starts with Jesus and then lived out with his people. You can have that vacation and you'll be a lonely person. You can listen to that podcast, you can read the book, you can make that investment, you can buy the car, but if you don't have community, no one's gonna say, sweet ride, no one. So why choose to live that way? You are God's inheritance. My friends at Lake Point, I'm terrible at math, but they put on this, this, this equation, it'll come up on the screen. A relationship with Christ, your salvation, your relationship with Christ, plus a godly community all around you, equals life change. So when you come to know Jesus Christ, and you join a group of people who's gonna help you to multiply your joy and divide your pain, you have that community, I guarantee your life will change. It starts with Jesus, he died for you, the people around you will help you grow, and your life will change. Why settle for less? Right? Why settle for less? It's not okay. Don't settle for less. Community is God's answer to loneliness. You are not a dropout. That's why God came. You are his inheritance. And number three, we should pray to know God's power. We should pray to know God's power. Not to just know the power, because Scripture is, is reminding us in verse number 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his might? It's resurrection power. That same power that Jesus rose from the dead lives in you. Not only the same, that resurrection power, you have positional power. Look at where Jesus is seated as we speak. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Friends, I got contact in high places. Let me tell you that. And you have contacts in high places if you know who's seated at God the Father's hand. Jesus. And he's available to you. Whenever you call upon the Father in the name of the Son, this will blow your mind away. Whenever you call on the name of, uh, of the Father through the Son of Jesus, the God who created the universe, you have his full attention. Undivided attention. And Paul is reminding the church, never stop knowing your God. Never stop coming around God's people and never stop underestimating God's power. So don't settle for anything less in your life. Why settle? You don't have a mediocre God. You don't have a lukewarm God. You have a God who's seated at the right hand of God the Father. So you see resurrection power, you see positional power, and you see headship power. What's a headship? He's the head of the church. I'm so glad that the church don't depend upon us. Amen? He sits and he's the head of the church, and he's calling us today to reach our neighbors and to reach our nations. I'm so excited that Jesus is in charge. Aren't you thrilled that, you know what? 
I don't care whatever happens in this world today, Jesus is still on the throne. And he is in charge of the church. That is why the gates of hell will never overcome it because Jesus is in charge. So, to summarize what we talked about, to know God intimately, you must be obedient. Let's start being obedient to what we know. Don't settle for less. To know God in community deeply is through love. I love my team that I serve here. I have some dear friends. I have my, my small group meets on every second Wednesday. I love those brothers. They pour into my life. And know your strength by trusting God. Know God intimately by obedience. Know God by community rooted in love. And know your strength by trusting in his power. Right? So don't settle for less. But the story doesn't end. If I had to move my letter to a church right now, I'm going to First Baptist Ephesians. That's how I'm going. Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 4 and 5, as John comes to play. Paul, John is on the Isle of Patmos. Look at what he told about this very church. But I have this against you, Ephesus, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Church, not under our watch. What happened to the Ephesian church, they began to just keep head knowledge. They began to entertain wrong theologies and they forgot God's power. What happened? They lost their first love. I'm asking you today, you can pray a prayer of renewal or if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he loves you just the way you are. You may think you messed up, and I'm glad you think that way, because Jesus can clean a mess. You're looking at one right now. The day we forget to be obedient to the truth, we're going to lose our first love. The, the day we neglect getting together and reaching our neighbors and reaching the world for Jesus, we're going to lose our first love. And the day we start trusting our 30 years of marriage and 40 years of marriage, and I, I, I'm on cruise control, the day you forget God's power and rely on yourself, you're going to lose your first love. How did it happen, this change? Because the church of Ephesus just settled to be mediocre. They had all the knowledge, they had all the people, and they trusted their own strength. We have blood on our hands, one of my deacons reminded me this week. It's our responsibility to raise the next generation and next generation to be a loving community, a serving community, and a trusting community. If you are here today, as John plays, 
Let's all stand all over this place. I'm asking you to come to the altar. Come with your families. Come rededicate your lives. If, you, if you're looking for a church family, come and join us. If you're looking to know who Jesus is, I'm so glad to introduce you to King Jesus. He never turns you away. You are seeking, you are searching. I'm, I'm just here to tell you, Jesus will love you like you had never been loved before. He's waiting for you to come to him. My message to you is, don't settle. Lord, I hunger and thirst for righteousness. Don't settle. Don't settle. Let's go one step further and call upon King Jesus.